This is RAF with Tony Tag and LA. <laughs> Yo, what's up? It's your boy LA, aka the Love Ambassador, coming to you straight live and direct from the Jungle Studios on this Monday night. First and foremost, it was Mother's Day yesterday. Uh, I'm 2,700 kilometers away and then some from Mars. So, yes, I gave a call. Was all good. As always, had a laugh. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it too because let's face it, without them, and our old man hitting the shot <laughs> or the target, we wouldn't be here. So, like everything, you've got to try and decide what podcast, what I'm going to do. I thought today I'm going to delve into a, for Australians, a very topical issue and something I feel that needs to be addressed sooner rather than later because its implications within the society are going to be epic if it's not. Uh, in the media, um, from what we've seen, uh, also from even the outside of my house, in the last couple of years, there's been a major concern, uh, fear-mongering. Maybe, I guess you'd have to say racial animosity, anger, uh, lust for revenge, against the South Sudan community in Australia. The reason being, uh, for those of you listening overseas, is that we regularly see uh, on the media, on social media, on TV, on the news, uh, when you go around to nightclub areas or whatever, young South Sudanese fighting. It came to a highlight uh, a couple of years ago in Melbourne, in 2016, where the city was essentially shut down for a, a Moomba festival, which is kind of like, I guess, the uh, in New Orleans, they have the Mardi Gras. It's like a similar sort of thing. Um, huge festival in Melbourne. And what happened was there was a Islander Games versus uh, Young Sudanese fighting, which was supposed to be a little bit of a fist on in the centre of the city, but resulted in, well, basically anarchy, and of course, media love that sort of thing, and they blew it up. Uh, you have also heard from people even of uh, Nigerian and Zimbabwean descent of them fighting on with the South Sudan. Uh, I've personally seen outside of my house uh, at 1am in the morning in Perth uh, a gang fight, uh, so to speak. <laughs> and what I realised was my own anger for the reason being that I'm the the son of migrants and this country is 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 built of migrants and the country <clears throat> the government will never be perfect the people will never be perfect but there was a general wanting to you know, oh, dude, you're in the Civil War, let's get you out. Okay, you, you haven't learnt the necessary skills, let's teach you. You need a house, we'll give you a house, we'll give you clothing, we'll give you education. Um, 
will give you uh, access to sports. Will the Victorian government will give three million dollars to the community centres? Um, you know, the police have made mistakes, but on one side, but on the other side, they've sent delegates to South Sudan to learn about the, the culture and everything like that in order to try and address better policing. And then people, even like myself, people will stop listening to the podcast because they'll be like, oh, you're a white dude. You can't comment on it because it's white privilege. So I thought instead of it being, a, a, you know, us versus them situation, I wanted to know who who the South Sudanese people are. I'm like, what's their history? Like, where did they come from? Like, you know, these young kids, like, the lost, I get it. I was, I, I was, I was wild, raging, fueled, <laughs> fighting every minute of the day kid as well in my youth. And what, what do these youth know about the history? What does the average white man in Australia or America or Canada or UK know about the history? So I thought, let's let's actually start, because what I found was once I actually read through where these brothers and sisters came from and what they experienced over a period of time, then I was kind of like, oh, I'd probably be fighting too. <laughs> you know, like... I probably would be a wild man if, if I was them as well. So uh, yeah, let us let us begin. So the history of of of, of South Sudan, I'm gonna it goes back obviously to the beginning of you know human history uh, because that's where humanity started within within that area, that kind of Ethiopia, uh, Sudan. Uh, TZ, that, that sort of area. But let's uh, talk about the Sud Marsh. So the Sud Marsh are, are wetlands within South Sudan. And it's important because one of the main groups, uh, the Dinka tribe of people, come from this area. Uh, so let's talk about historically. Uh, the first experience in terms of I guess, conquering from what we consider to be a Western perspective was uh, Emperor Nero in AD 61. So <clears throat> that's after death, so it's 61 instead of 2019. Sent soldiers to try and find the source of the Nile. Uh, but what happened was they basically hit this barrier of the huge wetlands of the, the, the Sioux Marsh that they stopped. <laughs> so there was no real kind of incursion because from from the actual terrain. Uh, ling linguistically, uh, they're known as, uh, and excuse my pronunciation if I'm getting it wrong, uh, the Neoltic, that's N-I-O-L-T-I-C speakers, which were Dinka, Shilok, Lu, and a few others. There's Evidence by what we would call um, Western evidence being kind of documentation and archaeology because a lot of the traditions, it's the same in many others of the world, were verbally passed down. It goes back to about 3000 BC. So obviously if we're, those that don't understand, BC is before Christ, before Common Era. So it's 2019 
plus another 3,000. So you're looking around 5,000 years ago. And predominantly cattle farmers and grazers. Uh, what was also interesting is they have a, a, a common a tie uh, in also in the the history of ties to Mar Malians and Senegalese in West Africa, because obviously with cattle grazers and nomadic people, there was huge migration. The borders that you see today uh, was done in the late 1800s by Europeans uh, in the Berlin Conference. So the African countries you see, the borders predominantly are based on some European dudes just carving up the pie under colonialism. They were also, the Neotic people were also great contributors to the governance and wealth of the Nubia Kingdom. Nubia Kingdom, Nubian. So when you hear about brand new Nubian Sada, Lord Jamar, or Nubian culture, that's to do with the, the, the kingdom area. Uh, and they themselves were essentially, you know, the, the pharaohs of Egypt, the, the Egyptians. They weren't like the white people you see on television. They were actually uh, Nubian culture who, who took over those those parts of um, Egypt, what is now Egypt. And that itself is a kind of side subject because the later on, uh, with the eviction or creation of Islam, you would see, um, or revelation, I guess, as Islamic scholars would call it, with the Prophet Muhammad, you see that as a kind of side issue in terms of the the, the, the progress and, and, and the development of what is now South Sudan. Uh, and around the 14th century, you start to see uh, Arabic influence coming down from that sort of Arabia and Egypt area. Uh, traders, invaders and whatnot. Uh, still at this time, the... The Sud Marsh that we talked about originally a couple of minutes ago is still relatively intact. Um, from there, you see a prominence of the Shilok, S-H-I-L-L-U-K people, uh, under, in particular, the King Ngikong, N-G-I-K-O-N-G, from 1490-1517. And they expanded through conflict uh, against what was essentially the Arabic influence, um, leading in under King Oduk Okolo from 1630 to 1650, around a 30-year war, and they kept fighting right up to the early 1700s. Uh, what the Shilluk were known for were actually very good warriors. So sometimes you hear even white people will be like, oh, well, they come from a history of great warriors. Well, to a certain extent, certain parts of the community would be able to trace it back. Um, individually, each ethnic community, you know, I mean, find me, <laughs> find me a, a tribe in the world that hasn't been good at conflict, and you'll you'll find that there is a few because even the ones that now are considered aren't in history could have been. And so, what the Shuluk were known for was actually their war canoes and quick raids versus the funds which they were against, which was like more a cavalry and, and European army. So what you actually see is um, the growth of the growth out of South Sudan and, and formulating, to a certain extent, maybe the split of what we see in in modern day. Um, then you have the non-neotic neotic people coming through the Azand, the Avangara, 
And then again, you see the Dinka, which uh, a tribe, one of the Bain tribes within South Sudan, and also have a large presence within um, Australia diaspora here as well. So what happens to South Sudan, like I said to you, is there's this permanent um, back and forth because the people of South Sudan are predominantly uh, Christian or believe in tribal beliefs, right? And then they're continuously in, in, in conflict with uh, people attempting with Islamic North uh, trying to impede within their territory. It, it gets quite complicated. I'm trying to keep my podcast as short and precise as possible. But basically, between 1830 to 1889, um, that's when sort of the main Arabic influence also comes back in again. Uh, and then after 1889, uh, Egypt kind of relinquishes controls of the area, even though to say they can control it was not really precise. I think it's best to say that it went through a period of um, some people claim they ran it, but <laughs> it was questionable all the time. Then we go through from uh, under the Islamic influence, they opened it up around the 1850s to Europe, missionaries and trades and, and whatnot. And also even within Melbourne, you see the statue of Gordon, who was a British general himself involved in a lot of conflict within that, that region. Actually, ironically, right next to the Victorian Parliament House. Fast forward now to the Republic of Sudan uh, around 1955. Well, in 1955, it gets its independence. It's important to note that um, around two and a half million people killed, five million displaced within the first uh, civil war. So between 1955 to 1972, so from independence until 1972, there's a civil war between the essentially Islamic North and then the South. Goes through a period of um, South Sudan through peace treaties gets an autonomous uh, region, right? And then from 1983, the North Sudan this is before South Sudan existed. So the Islamic North, Gaffa Nameri, the president, declares that Sudan will be an Islamic state under Sharia law, which is the same as Saudi Arabians. South Sudan autonomous regions demolished, and then under John Garang, the Second Civil War erupts. Now, what's interesting and feeding back into what I was discussing before about how we see so many... Uh, young people here fighting, especially among the Sudanese fighting amongst themselves, is the result of this multi-decade civil war is that more South Sudanese die at each other's hands than the Islamic North coming in. This includes in 1991 the Boer massacre where the Noir soldiers killed over 2,000 Dinka People and then led to 25,000 in preceding famine. Uh, by 2005, after, so this is 1983 to 2005 of conflict, again after <laughs> the 50s to early 70s, comes an autonomous region. 2011, 98.83% vote yes in the referendum. However, after independence, it still continues the conflict. 
So March 12th, April 2012, essentially the now formed independent South Sudan fights against the North. But also it sees an eruption of, now you see eruption of tribal wars. So the Shiluk, who we were talking about before with the war canoes and in the sort of 1600s, which were the fighting the Islamic North, and against the and Mur rebellions, and then the Nuwa and the Mul, and and basically you see like multi groups fighting against each other to the period that when South Sudan gets independence, there's seven armed conflicts fighting against the national government, and nine out of ten states are fighting. The Nuwa are fighting other like Dinkas. The Dinkas are fighting within each other. There's massacres. Another massacre in 2014 among continuous massacres. Uh, Four million people are displaced. The population is around 12.23 million. 1.8 million internally, 2.5 million to their neighbours. So what you're seeing from the background here is essentially a period of no real peace, like really for a couple of hundred years. Because even when the North Sudan, or what is now Sudan, the Islamic North, they were still having conflict with the Brits <laughs> and then like other Islamic rulers in the 1800s. So you're looking hundreds of hundreds of years of continuous fighting. Uh, and then since independence just like horrific i mean yeah everyone's watched movies about you know uh all these villages getting women raped and tortured and burnt and it, that's it hurts actually it hurts because i thought after world war Two and 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 the horrors that were committed that humanity would have learnt. Look, surely the pain of some should stop the other for others, but this conflict within in, in Sudan, like I said, it was the South Sudanese and tribal lines hurting each other even more. Uh, so you have people that haven't endured like six years of war or three years of war, you know, um, so, like, for example, the, 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 the former Yugoslavia was a couple of years as horrific as, as it was. The Rwandan genocide was 180 days. The Cambodian uh, Phnom Penh was a, a couple of years. Um, the Vietnam War, both French and American, was a couple of decades. I mean, you're looking at people that have decades to hundreds of years of continuous conflict and then they're coming to Australia and we're kind of turning around to them saying well yeah she'll be right mate we're giving you everything you want to never behave yourself so now let's look at the statistics within Australia uh, the population is is in Australia is probably around including born in, in south slash north Sudan because again south Sudan's 2011 so it gets a little bit complicated but Basically born with, within Mama Africa, around 20,000, and then 18,000 descendants here. You're looking around 40,000. 
people. 70% uh, of the population is under 35 in the community. Uh, between 1996 and 2005, 28% of Australians born overseas or migrating was Sudan. Um, and then let's have a look at the crime statistics. So again, it's it, it's difficult because the crime statistics aren't even kind of they're done in a weird way, and I'll explain why. So out of the eighty in Victoria, which is the state where Melbourne is, um, where I think off memory the biggest population of the South Sudan community is, out of the eighty thousand uh, Victorian offences, uh, Australians, New Zealanders. <laughs> Choice, bro. <laughs> Thanks for the crime, uh, my Kiwi brothers. 80,000 Victorian offenders, 879 were Sudanese. But with general offence, it's only recorded once. So you can, you can, you can, if you do multiple times, it doesn't become part of the figures. Uh, but they have a high percentage of, um, aggravated burglary, serious assaults from the South Sudan community. So they're within the top three uh, of, you know, burglary um, and whatnot. But again, let's look further into the figures. So car theft. So for those that don't know, there was the media called it the Apex Gang, but what was happening was young South Sudan kids were bumping into the back of luxury cars in, in Melbourne and instead of just handing over your car keys, uh, people would hand over the car keys and then get their ass kicked afterwards, which was actually, including myself, fucking a lot of people off when they were watching that in the media because your car's insured, right? So if you need to take the car, take the car. You didn't need to get a little bit busy afterwards. But it got to the point where people were starting to carry, again, because of the fear of the media, people were starting to carry weapons in their car just in case. You know, I mean, I remember, I probably even should admit it, but I had a hammer in my car just in case because uh, I was driving my old man's Benzo. But such was the such was the way that it was portrayed that, you know, that and we'll come back to it of, of why I kind of had to check myself as well. Uh, Aussies in terms of aggravated assault, um, aggravated burglary, uh, Aussies 1,460 Sudan knees 190. Uh, again, out of the population uh, in Victoria, let's call it roughly 8,000 people, maybe a bit more. Um, they're six times higher to commit crimes. But the problem is, is you can't listen to that six times higher because the media will go, oh, they're six times higher. They're more prone to violence. Well, no, it's because the population is so small that as soon as you have any form of numbers, it warps your statistics. And this is coming back to why I raised the thing with car theft. Um, because it, the media, it's, it's just like, honestly, for fuck's sake, like... There's hardly any of them here. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, there's hardly any of the population. Then, the, then they're like, "Oh, we've got an African." No, we don't have an African gang problem. This, like I said, like if you look at the figures, they're doing hardly fuck all. And if it gets to the point where where it is, it is an issue. You're either going to have street justice where you know, 
the people, the people or other gangs will unite and, and solve the issue, or the policing will say, well, look, X, Y, Z will introduce tougher laws. I mean, this is coming off the back of like we did um, knife crime, for example, in the UK, right? Uh, you look at America, um, where some of these young kids are getting influenced by by calling their supposed gang minister society after the film. But there has to be a step back in saying, well, who didn't fight? Who didn't have that friend that, that tried stealing something? Who didn't get in punch-ons as young kids? Like, the population is so freaking young. And then because they're such a small population, any time crimes are committed, it's, it's, it's just thrown into the fucking stratosphere because the media wants us to fear everyone, where you shouldn't really fear it at all. So then the next question would be is, like, well, coming back to what I said before, part of my problem was, like, I feel like the country extended so much, but then if you're dealing with, with a kid that is coming from a situation of not a unified country because his allegiance is to his his uh, his tribe to begin with and 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 everyone's tribal you know like polish people like my mum's polish polish people are tribal they'll they'll start telling you about the king from 970 and this happened and that happened and <coughs> we got invaded by the germans and you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to fight back and whatever so everyone i get is 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 tribal the only difference is is when you talk about poland it's like the Polish people are one country because Europe divided mostly into its ethnic groups having its own countries, whereas in South Sudan never got it. So it's like Ukraine, Poland, Serbia, Croatia, you know, the Slavic people, you know, they themselves, you can see, kind of Hungarians, you can see, they, they, they have a history of conflict with each other. So... I think that, the, that people have to be very careful how they're portraying it of, oh, this is tribal violence, because it's, it has some element in the terms of South Sudan because of the history, but we need to start to sit down with these young kids and, and say, first of all, if you're bored, <laughs> how can we entertain you? Can we entertain you through sport? Can we entertain you through hip-hop? Can we entertain you through breakdancing? Can we entertain you through literature, right? What's going to keep you occupied? Secondly, there has to be a, a counselling because it's not um, it's not two years that they fought, like I was saying beforehand. It's it, it's like hundreds of years of history coming in, and then they're thrown into this sort of Western society, which is saying you need to act in this way right now. Media, of almost should just completely ban reporting on it. Absolutely, because they're part of the problem. And then politicians need to... I mean, politicians are always going to try and win votes. So they're going to say whatever. So I think that what should really be done is, is, is empowering the people that are working as social workers to, to sit down and talk to these kids because you probably find we've got more in common with them than, than, than most people try to admit. And from a personal view, I guess also, also check yourself. 
Well, that's actually how I'm going to leave it. If we all actually checked ourselves, because I'm the first to admit that, <coughs> you know, I wanted to go and punch on. The younger me did at least, but the older ones now, like, yo, we have a responsibility um, to everyone that we're living around to get along. You don't have to like each other. You have to like me. But let's get along. And let's, let's like I said, if communication is key. Let's start a dialogue up and then sort it out. And I think it'll probably be, you know, the irony of life. I think the Sassadun community will, you know, find its find its its place in the podium. You know, rocking out. And the irony will be that South Sudan will turn to the next immigrants, <laughs> giving them a hard time. Uh, so hopefully that gives you. In closing, like I said. It's a very small population. The figures are kind of warped a little bit. Don't believe the harp on the media. Uh, to the young kids from from that part of the world, you got a very, very rich history, brothers and sisters. Like, be proud, man. Just be really proud of like who you are and where you come from. and Just don't be told otherwise, right? We've all been young, but as you get older, just do realise you're blessed in more ways than one. And... Um, I look forward to extending my hand of friendship to you instead of the fists of war and uh, growing together. Ah, right, peace.